as announced last week in the episode on trends of the automotive industry. Here is the second episode about trends. So last week's episode was more about the vehicle itself, um, things that are around the car, that uh, trends that are directly into the artifact that we are talking about. And for this week, I announced in the last episode, I announced uh, five trends on the processes industry and the automotive business. While scripting this podcast episode, I realized that uh, five trends, that that is a lot of stuff that is uh, yeah, pretty, pretty thick. And um, so I drilled it down, I cut it down to three trends that I have here. I mean, uh, we all know this idea of three is uh, very popular in speaking and podcasting. So three points on this, three points on that. And I dropped two of the points that are not too close to my expertise. So we have three things um, I would like to talk about. First is platform providers for electric vehicles. There is a very interesting trend um, that I would like to go a little deeper into. The second is over-the-air updates as a business, as a revenue generator, as um, yeah, as, as a, a new way for the automotive OEMs, for the automakers to make some money. And the third one is on the cooperation between big tech, meaning companies like Amazon, Google, Meter, Apple, Alibaba, Tencent, to make it not too Western-centric, and the cooperation between these companies and the automotive industry. So we're, we're having this, these three points here today in the Human Technology Podcast um, that uh, I would like to have a closer look at. First one, platform for electric vehicles. So established OEMs like Volkswagen, Stellantis, uh, with its uh, tons of different brands, General Motors, Renault, Hyundai, they all have their own electric vehicle platforms. This is based on a platform strategy that you need if you want to make, um, if you want to build cars, if you want to, well, limit the developmental effort, limit the, the amounts of budgets, limit the prices of cars. You will, you will need these platforms and they are usually used across the entire groups with the different different brands. So Volkswagen, for example, has Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen, Skoda uh, as, as brands. Uh, Stellantis, um, the new freshly merged huge automaker consisting of uh, Fiat Chrysler on one side and PSA, the French Peugeot Citroën DS uh, group on the other side. And they're, they're, they're having tons of different brands there, including the German Opel brand, but also Alfa Romeo, Fiat, all the Chrysler brands. And Dodge. So, and, and and they have these brands and all these platforms. They are used across the brands. So, and that that is the traditional strategy that they have, and they are expanding this one into the uh, 
uh, electric area and to electric vehicles. So, so Volkswagen Group, for example, has the MEB platform, which is, I think, the modulara electronic baukasten, the, the modular uh, electronic or electric toolbox that they have. Um, so, so they're having this one. But this, this is not what I want to talk about here. It's... Um, yeah, these, these platforms are basically based on the combustion engine platforms that they're having. So the real advantage of electric vehicles come with new platforms, with cars you design from scratch. You, know, you need to start with a white sheet of paper and um, to, to get the real advantages of, of an electric drivetrain. And what many of the established OEMs do at the moment as a bridging technology, as a bridging strategy, is replacing the combustion engine drivetrains with electric drivetrains based on the platform that they have. Electric platforms, specifically designed electric vehicle platforms, have advantages, for example, in the usage of, of space. And, uh, I mean, you get a lot more space inside a vehicle. If you, for example, put electric uh, engines more or less into or very close to, to the wheels, and um, then you gain space on maybe a battery platform that you have. And this is something you will not get if you use in a combustion engine platform and, and, and put an electric engine in there. It's all about the electronics. It's about the power consumption, the infotainment. When when I was at Harman uh, ten years ago, we we talked about amplifiers and radios and infotainment systems that are optimized for electric cars because they have a lower power consumption. And you need to integrate that. And if it's about window lifters or any other kind of electronic computing boxes. If you put them into a combustion engine car, you do not need to optimize them for power consumption. For electric vehicles, it makes absolute sense to, to do this. The electric vehicle drivetrains, they are much easier to handle for fresh companies, new companies. You have a lower number of parts, you have a lower complexity and... This is one of the very interesting points on uh, if you talk about business, if you talk about strategies, if you talk about um, car makers in the electronic and the electric uh, uh, vehicles area. So companies I would like to talk about are companies like RE, for example, REE written. Um, another one is Bosch Bantler, but also the uh, German. Uh, development uh, services provider e IAV uh, has an own electric platform, and then there are companies like Bollinger Motors and Canoe uh, that have their own platforms. So let's run through a few of them. So Re Re is a very interesting company based in, in Israel, and they provide a platform which is without batteries and without a chassis. Um, they have basically wheels with integrated suspensions and integrated electric motors, engines. And then they have a couple of electronic uh, pieces of electronic, a couple of sensors um, that, put, that they put together. And that's what they sell. That, 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 that is the, that's the kind of platform they have. Basically, you can buy 
four tires, four engines, four suspensions, the steering uh, is also included. And then um, you will have a battery provider and you will have a chassis provider that makes this one into a skateboard or into a, a platform. This makes the technologies of RE extremely flexible. Um, they have this for in a very small format for, uh, let's say, people mover, uh, for autonomous cars in uh, gated areas. They have this uh, for um, passenger cars, SUVs. And at the CES uh, in Las Vegas in January, they all show, also showed a truck version of that with a, with a huge tire and a powerful engine uh, close to it. So you, you get these components, you can get these components from them and, and then you can build your car on top of that. The Bosch Bendela Consortium goes one step further they're having a physical platform, what they call a rolling chassis, or others call this a skateboard, which is basically a battery pack and a chassis containing the battery pack. And then on each of the edges of the battery pack, you have the wheels, you have the steering, you have the electronics, you have the sensors, you have the entire drivetrain in there. And you can you can use that uh, you can buy that and, and and then you can you can build your own body on top of that your own hat and this makes it very interesting for vehicle startups for fleet providers for example that have a very specific specification that have very specific use cases and that um Yes, yeah, okay, I want to have a fleet of, let's say, 1,000 cars for a specific market with a specific application area with a very specific user group. And you can get these skateboards, these rolling chassis, and build your own hat, your own uh, uh, top on top of that, on your own body on top of that. Which, by the way, is not a new model. The in the in the 1920s, um, that was a very early way of uh, producing cars. So there were companies building the chassis and the combustion drivetrain and the steering and, and everything you needed in there. And then there were other companies that uh, were building the bodies on top that put the head on top of these and uh, were able to to brand them. And in commercial vehicles, uh, we have similar business models. So it's not a new thing, but um, I think it absolutely makes sense in electric vehicles and electric platforms to have these rolling chassis and these skateboards. And companies like Bollinger and Canoe, both electric car startups out of California, they offer their platforms, their skateboards as a spin-off of the development and the production of their own vehicles. So if you're interested in that, you can go to them, you can talk to them and they will sell you that and you can build your own body, your own hat on top of this. This changes the relationship between the supplier and the OEM. I mean, many things the OEMs do as of today, like the engines, like the drivetrains, like the suspensions, like the chassis, they move over to, to the supplier side. And um, this, this changes this relationship, plus uh, the fact that there are smaller series possible. So you can 
build maybe 100, maybe 1,000 cars on one skateboard that you get. And that eases it up for startups. So one of, one of my clients is a startup company from, from Africa. And uh, they, they, they will use one of these platforms to build a hat for, on top of this for a car that is specific for African markets. And you can, you can fall back on proven technology. I mean, it's uh, all well, very well designed. You can use all the know-how of established suppliers, but you can build vehicles with a very high variety. You can adapt it easily to local conditions, local use cases, needs, tastes, um, to, to, to the needs that you have in very specific and, and very small markets. So for me, this is one of the, the business trends that we have in, in the automotive industry. Companies with electric rolling chassis, skateboards or drivetrain engine suspension components um, that you as a startup company can use and apply to build your own cars. You can use the technologies, you can use the know-how, you can build your car on established uh, components with an uh, experienced partner, um, but you can do your own thing on top of that. Second point, over-the-air update. Uh, we see a trend, and this is a very strong trend and is growing at the moment, that car companies send software components over the air, over the 5G or 4G telecommunication interface into vehicles. A look into the past, car manufacturers, OEM, have always been sure, and they were not that wrong, um, that their vehicles are delivered to the customer in a perfect state, without any defects, without any updates required. So it's a very mature technology, it's very well developed. And the problem is, uh, with growing amounts of software in cars, um, this paradigm, this mantra, is not that true anymore. This leads to a growing number of uh, recalls, of car recalls, a growing number of visits in the workshop where software updates are done. So when, when I remember my times at, at Harman, um, we very often had software updates and then the OEMs received them from us for, let's say, the infotainment system, the sound system, and then whenever there was a workshop date, um, they put fresh software on this. And I'm pretty sure when I bring my car to, to, the, to the workshop for the regular maintenance, they always put on fresh software without telling me onto my head unit, onto the navigation infotainment head unit, but also into all other car parts of, of, of the car or other pieces of, of electronics. And over-the-air updates will replace this. It's already started, uh, but it, it is more, um, it's growing, it's a growing business, particularly because we have more and more software in the vehicle development. Uh, we are targeting towards a software-defined vehicle or a software-defined car um, with the growing numbers of autonomous functions, autonomous driving, automated driving, 
Um, we will get even more software into it. Um, if we get artificial intelligence into the car, we need to check the software on a regular basis because it, it changes itself. So we will have a more and more software a driven car. And with that, we will have more and more need for software updates. Software is never ready. It's never finished. It's always on a, um, well, I don't want to say beta testing level, but it is not really 100% mature and there's always new stuff and fresh stuff and additional functions. And so the maturity of software is always on a lower level than let's say the maturity of um, a mechanical part or a suspension or an engine. The first over-the-air updates were made in 2012, so 10 years ago. Um, they were all about non-critical infotainment functions, for example, navigation maps and um, software updates, bug fixings um, that you had there. So today we see more and more OEMs with um, systematic and regular rollouts uh, and updates over the air. Uh, still, it is very much focused on non-safety critical functions um, like yeah, navigation maps and infotainment functions and sound systems. The mobile update, the, the over-the-air update of safety-relevant functions is something that is under development at the moment uh, and will be in the market in a foreseeable time, but uh, it's not widely spread as, as of today. The idea behind, and now we get to, to where, where the revenue is, um, is um, that you get individually personalized services onto the car. For example, personalized navigation data, car to X functions, um, HMI over the air, HMI on demand, functions on demand. Um, for example, that you say, okay, I want to buy um, after uh, I'm buying the car, I'm purchasing the car with a standard software on that. And now I want to have a couple of additional apps, functionalities in the car. So, yeah, you can download them over the air and install them in the car. And then you buy them. So you have a continuous buying relationship with your OEM. I mean, th this is one of the big problems OEMs have. You go to the dealer, you buy the car, and maybe you never return. And you, you will not make an additional review, maybe just for maintenance or repairs. But uh, with software over-the-air over updates, uh, with additional functions, you can either rent or buy. They get a continuous, continuous uh, revenue stream out of this. There is uh, one story about uh, Tesla. Um, Tesla is selling their cars with two battery versions as it uh, is communicated. The truth is it's all the same batteries in all Teslas. But um, some versions, the cheaper versions, are limited by software. And when in 2017 Hurricane Irma hit Florida... Tesla um, changed the software over the air of the cars to allow larger battery capacities, the maximum battery capacity, the use of the entire capacity to allow people to get away from the storm uh, into safe regions and not needing to, to recharge while they flee from, from, from the storm. 
And uh, this is one example of how this can work. So I buy a car with limited battery capacity, find out one day, okay, um, I need the bigger battery that has a couple of advantages. I pay an additional fee. Um, they just sent me down a small piece of software that allows the, the use of the entire battery. We can also talk about HMI on demand, um, download new HMI variants, new skins that I have, new uh, interior illumination, all that is possible. The idea behind this is that the OEMs, the car makers, get an additional revenue stream. It's a change of the business model. It's not so much anymore about selling physical assets, physical parts, the artifact itself, but it's more about selling services and, and experiences. The long-term goals of the car makers is to build and to integrate larger ecosystems that give them a access to a wide range of data to a wider variety of data to develop more attractive features, uh, more attractive digital services, more personalized services. So this is the idea behind this. One big problem we're having with this one is um, hackers. The bad guys can enter the car on a digital way. And I mean, this has happened in the past. And you will never ever be able to close these interfaces 100%. You can bring them to a very high safety level, but there will always be a guy smarter than you um, that will access the vehicle. So that is a problem that remains unsolved as of now. The other problem is that um, there are secret updates. So bug fixings without the user knowing it, um, additional features, changing of the car, there is one example out of China, which surprised me totally. There is a car brand called Weltmeister, which is the German word for world champion. And their cars um, were updated secretly without uh, the users knowing and without the users allowing the updates. And some of them found it out that uh, the, the car maker is doing over-the-air update, over updates without making the users aware. And uh, they sued the OEMs and they won in China. So um, that, that was, that was uh, it's a piece of knowledge here, a piece of trivia. But it surprised me very much that this one works in China this way. All right, so... Over-the-air updates uh, change the business model of the relationship between user and manufacturer. It becomes a constant relationship. The car becomes, with the over-the-air updates, uh, a smartphone on wheels, which is the storytelling since, I don't know, five, ten years. We will have smartphones on wheels, which in some ways is true already. But uh, with uh, more and more over-the-air updates, uh, we will have... We will move cars one step closer to the uh, to the smartphone world. The user experience connected to that can be better because it's more flexible, it's more personalization, you have faster updates, you have less efforts to get better software, better cars, more functionality. The problem is that the user experience can turn to a negative uh, 
um, experience when the reliability of the artifact automobile of the, of the vehicle, which is very high. I mean, the availability of cars is extremely high. Reliability is extremely high. When that uh, car suddenly becomes as shaky and as uh, unreliable as a PC or a tablet or a smartphone. All right, so let's move on to the third point, the collaborations between big tech, as I said, companies like Amazon, Google, Meter, Apple, Alibaba, Tencent, and the automotive industry. The big tech companies are integrating today, it's an activity that is active, the vehicles into their own ecosystems. And the ecosystems of big tech, they are all internet-based, they're all digital. They see mobility as one part of it, but not as the major part. And cars are, for them, um, knots of the Internet of Things. It's not, it's not a mobility device. It's, it's not, not a car as we know it, but it's a data-consuming, data-producing communication device which is part of a more or less open internet ecosystem the problem here is that the automakers the oems they are still steel copper and rubber companies they are pretty strange are they they do not know too much about the software world i mean Volkswagen is establishing the Cariat activity. Uh, so they, they focus their software activities on the entire Volkswagen group into one company. And um, they're reacting on this one. And Mercedes is doing pretty much the same. And they're all thinking about developing own ecosystems, own software ecosystems. The future will show how successful they will be with this kind of work. Uh, insiders out of my network tell me uh, it is um, not moving as fast as they had expected it. It's not moving into the right direction. But um, I think they are doing it and they may be very successful with that one. The alternative is instead of establishing own software development activities, instead of establishing... Um, own, own ecosystems, own operating systems, you can cooperate with big tech, with Google, with Apple, with Meter, with Alphabet, however, whatever company you may think out of this group. Particularly uh, Alphabet, the, the Google parent, and Apple are providing solutions um, to, to the automotive OEMs. And they appear to be free at first, And they are targeting exactly into those areas where the OEMs are weak. And today we have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. This is state of the art. This is out there on the roads. It's there. With these technologies, you can connect your smartphone to the head unit in the car. And then you can use specific versions of selected apps in your vehicle interior on the HMI that is provided by the vehicle, which makes it clearly safer and easier to use. Um, the, the functionality is cut. So if you have, for example, a, a streaming app, a music streaming app, you cannot 
build your own playlists, for example. That is not possible in the car with Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. But you can listen to your playlists that you have created upfront at home on your sofa. So navigation, um, the, the Google Maps navigation, um, that is something you can use in the car from the car HMI, including the in-vehicle touchscreen, the voice recognition, maybe even a couple of hard keys that you have in the car. So you get this functionality available. Next step then is Android Automotive, which is something different than Android Auto. So Android Auto is this connectivity system. Android Automotive is an operating system designed by Google for use in vehicles. And uh, the market research company Gartner foresees that in 2028, probably up to 70%, 70% of all cars will have Android Automotive as an operating system. I don't know whether we will go up to really 70%, maybe it's just 50% or just 40%, but I agree with Gartner that within the next 5 to 10 years, we will see a significant number of cars, particularly out of those OEMs that do not have an own software activity, they will use Android Automotive. And for, for the users and also for the OEMs, this has a couple of obvious benefits. You have more apps, you have more customer needs satisfied, you get an HMI, a user experience, you know from your smartphone, from your tablet, in the vehicle. So all this is, is possible. Um, the problem is that there is no free lunch. There's nothing like a free lunch. The cost, uh, customer loyalty, the customer relationship of humans in a car, in a vehicle, is totally sold to big tech. The OEMs give away all of the digital user experience to companies like Apple, like Google, like Alphabet, like Alibaba, Tencent, and so on. Which, from my point of view, is extremely critical. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that that all the OEMs fully understand what they are doing at the moment. And I think I, I myself even don't understand this. But um, I, I see this far more critical than uh, the uh, the OEMs do it at the moment. You have a diffusion of, of responsibility. You have slow response times. You have longer startup times of these systems. So you get all of these disadvantages. And first of all, you lose the ownership of data. You lose the ownership of a customer uh, to, to big tech if you as an OEM go this way. The target of the companies is to connect the users to their own services and data streams in the car as well. I mean, companies like Apple, Google, Alphabet, they want to own the data of the user and they want to use that. Big tech, as happened with the smartphones, I mean, you can get an LG smartphone, you can get a, uh, a Huawei smartphone, you can get a Samsung smartphone, and all have the same operating system on it. And the user experience is not driven by the hardware or only in a minimal way driven by the hardware. It is all driven by the operating systems and by the apps. And the same will happen with the automotive industry, with the, the, the communication of the close relationship with big tech. They will minimize the differentiation between the manufacturers 
because it's just hardware and the experience is created by the software. The user experience will um, get closer, of, of cars, the UX in cars will get closer to the UX of smartphones, which has the advantage of a consistency across all areas of your life. But, but, but automotive-specific uh, requirements uh, will not play a core role. We talk about driver distraction, we talk about safety, we talk about stability, we talk about um, viewing times, we talk about visual distraction. Um, I mean, that, that will play a certain role in the future. Again, with uh, the growing amount of automation we have in vehicles, this one, this issue will not be as big, but until we get a significant amount of automation in cars, it's another 10, 15 years. And until then, we will need the driver in the control loop and not playing around with a smartphone style HMI in a vehicle. All right, towards the end, my opinion on own vehicles from Alphabet uh, or Google on one side and Apple on the other side. So Google with its uh, sister company Waymo, they... I mean, they built a prototype of their own car, but they are technology, software, and service, data-oriented. This is what they want. They want to create an automotive operating system. They want to get access to the data. They want to own the user. And this is what they do. And, and I mean, from my point of view, Google is not interested in building a car, not even with, with the sister company Waymo. Um, they want to develop services and technology and bring that into as many cars as somehow possible. Apple has been planning for an own car for years. I mean, they hired top managers from the entire automotive industry um, and fired them or they left after a short time. There are always rumors about an Apple car up to now, nothing really substantial has emerged. Nothing serious is visible. But, and this is the big but, Apple is world champion in hiding in its own plan and surprising all of us out there with new technology, new products, and new ways of selling their digital life philosophy. The question remains, do these companies really need their own cars? I mean, they conquer the existing cars, the existing brands, the existing OEMs, bit by bit, byte by byte, step by step. So why taking care about the steel, the copper and the rubber part of it? I mean, there are professionals out there that do this. And uh, with their software, with their philosophy, they will get into the cars anyway. So they don't need own pieces of hardware. My personal opinion. All right, let's get down to the summary. I talked about electric vehicle platforms um, that uh, change the development of vehicles, particularly if you go into specific markets and specific use cases. So if you use these rolling chassis, um, these platforms, or the components, um, there we will see a higher variety of cars out there, more specific, creating unique user experiences. Over-the-air update, 
they will change the relationship between user and OEM, provide higher flexibility, higher personalization. They may lead to negative user experience uh, if we do not get, um, let's say, the stability problems and the safety problems out of the way. And the cooperation between big tech and car manufacturers, that changes the vehicle user experience in vehicles massively. Um, we will have these smartphones on, on wheels and uh, we will get tons of advantages. But uh, from me, from my point of view, the disadvantages are even bigger. So if you like this episode, please recommend this in your network. The more people listen to this podcast, the more I have the chance to inspire others and this is an side effect. The more people listen to it, it will be ranked higher. This uh, The podcast, the Human Technology Podcast, will be ranked higher on the respective platforms. And even more people get the chance to listen to it.